What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Starting Eleven Podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again to today's episode, and I'm joined here, as always, by my wonderful co-hosts, Nico Kramer and Spencer Shapiro. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well, Matteo, and I'm excited for this episode. I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be back. Yeah, for sure. We have a lot of things that have happened in the last seven days, especially regarding Chelsea and a lot of the moves that they've done. So we have a lot to talk about on this podcast. I say we jump straight into it with the first transfer rumor that, uh, or just transfer in general that has been recently confirmed. Timo Werner to Chelsea for roughly $60 million. They triggered his release clause, and they beat Liverpool in, this, in the signing race. Does this make, in your opinion, Chelsea title contenders next year? And what is your opinion on this transfer overall? So I think this is huge for Chelsea because... Um, from a from a Chelsea perspective, I think Tammy Abraham is a really good and young player, but I'm not sure, or I know I I think he's not willing to or he's not able to carry the team, um, forward for the next few seasons. But I think Timo Warner is a really bright young talent, as we all know, uh, 24 around 24 years of age, and he's gonna be, you know, I think he's gonna be a real big star. And I think, I think Liverpool, it's not as big as it's not really a huge loss for them. I think Firmino can continue to do the role he does which is very important on that team. But from a Chelsea uh, perspective, I mean, this is, gonna, this is looking to be a big summer. And I think Timo Warner up top with Hakeem Saiko, they already signed, and possibly Pulisic. I mean, that's a really good young front three, which would be really dangerous. But I'm not sure it really puts him into a Premier League contenders just yet. Personally, I feel that it's a huge loss for Liverpool. Timo Werner was a player who wanted to go there. He and Klopp had a lot of communication beforehand. They apparently FaceTimed on three different occasions. It all seemed set up. He would have fit in great. And then at the last second, Liverpool obviously couldn't come up with the funds to get him. And I think that's a huge blow because it also shows that they may be lacking financially somewhat, especially after they attempted to put all their staff on government furlough. So I think that kind of shows that behind the scenes, uh, there might be something wrong with Liverpool financially. And from the Chelsea point of view, I think it's a huge signing. While Abraham is a solid player, I think he showed this season that he's definitely not at a world-class level yet. While he may have gotten a decent amount of goals, it's clearly not the amount, as Nico said, that could elevate Chelsea to one of the best teams in the world, which Werner definitely can provide, as he's shown in the Bundesliga. For sure, I have to agree with you. And I think for Liverpool, this means that this is the beginning of something, a trend I think that's going to start happening, is that Liverpool, because of the talent that they have stacked on that team, it's going to be very difficult for them to bring in big players like Werner because they're going to worry about that playing time, etc. Regarding the FaceTiming with Warner, I actually heard that Petr Cech, representing Chelsea, actually flew over to Germany before all this COVID stuff and talked to Werner face-to-face. So nobody knew about that until recently. So that's a very big plus. I feel like maybe Werner was um, talking to Liverpool and, and saying that he would want to play there so that his moves for Chelsea would go under the radar. And now it's just appeared out of nowhere, and it's a big move, big, big move. Uh, in regards to Chelsea, I think that it's their best option to keep Tammy Abraham on that striker position and play a 4-2-3-1 with Warner on the left side. Pulisic playing that cam position and Ziyech on the right. That's just my opinion. But 
for sure this is huge for Chelsea. I mean, for sure. And I think I think Tim Abraham will continue to play a role at Chelsea. But I'm just not sure he's suited um, to be the starting number nine for Chelsea, trying to bring them up, you know, if they, they do, when they want to continue to challenge for a, a Premier League. I just don't think Tim Abraham has the experience or just the straight-up talent to really carry them that far. But I think, you know, touching on what Spencer said, I think Liverpool – while they didn't have uh, the funds necessary, I think they understood also, even if they did want to reach out maybe and sell someone or, you know, create funds, because any team can always create funds. I think they understood that Timo Warner was, wasn't a huge necessity on the team and they have a guy like Firmino doing the job that suits well with Salah and Mane. Yeah, and furthering on the Chelsea thing, it's clear that, they want to become great title contenders. And to do that, Werner is definitely a huge step forward. A front three of him, Pulisic, and Hakim Ziyech, who they also brought in the summer, I definitely feel put, is an attack that can win titles. I personally feel it's better than Man City's front three and just slightly worse than Liverpool's. But for Chelsea to be title contenders, I also feel that they need to add more on the defensive side of things, which brings us to our next topic of Ben Chilwell, who is rumored to be going to Chelsea as well. For sure. I think this is, I think, you know, Ben Chilwell is not necessarily underrated, but he is definitely one of the best left backs in the Premier League. You know, the way he goes up and down the field is just really, it's really great talent. The issue I see here is that Leicester are considering to to want money near the Maguire range, around $80 million. And I think that for Chelsea, is going to be a huge stretch with the signing of Ziyech, Ziyech, the signing of Timo Werner, and another $80 million for Chilwell. It's it's a very – it's going to be a hard situation for them, and I'm not sure if they're going to have the funds to do it. But if they can do it, I think it would be an amazing signing for, for Chelsea or any other team, but especially for Chelsea. Yeah, I think that Talifico is a player that would – be better in terms of financial, uh, in terms of a financial aspect. I think that Chilwell, apparently Chelsea and Leicester City aren't close to agreeing uh, to a sum of money quite yet. I think that Chilwell wants to leave and has made that clear for Brendan Rodgers. But Chilwell would cost roughly 60 to 80 million, which is something that Chelsea probably can't afford if they want to go for the likes of ha- Havertz, for example, to to be in that camp position. So I think looking at other players like uh, Tellez or Talefico, who are cheaper options, who are very good players to bring in would be, would be a, a smart move. For sure. And, and, you know, this isn't about Chilwell, but I know we like to talk about the, the U.S. men's national team a lot. And thinking about the signing of Timo Warner with Abraham already, Mason Mount, Kim Zarek, um, Willian, who's undecided on the future yet. You know, what does this mean if, if Pulisic doesn't create, get into that starting lineup? What do you guys think this means for his career? Do you see a, a move away or continuing to fight for that spot? I mean, I think he should start, but I'm not sure if it will, if it will happen. I mean, for me, I see Timo Werner's move coming in as less of a threat to Pulisic as it is to Abraham because I feel like Frank Lampard is going to be using Werner as a number nine. So I feel that that really doesn't compete with Pulisic's minutes. I feel that that's more of a Ziyech thing. 
But I also feel this season he's shown that he is the best winger on Chelsea, not including Ziyech. And he deserves that starting position. And also, uh, back to Willian, I definitely feel that Willian's going to end up leaving this summer. And Pedro has also shown that he's kind of passed it a little. So there will be minutes to grab and. I definitely feel Pulisic should be able to continue to get the, the starting minutes that he needs for his career. I think that Pulisic is going to be a, a key player to to um, for Gerard, And I think that this summer is going to be really interesting to see how the Chelsea players are going to fight over, over the starting positions. I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the youngsters. But I think it's going to be good pressure because they're going to have to step up to, to, to the play and and perform and prove to Gerard that they want to be on his team. Uh, going back to to like well, Chelsea, McHugh, McHugh. don't make the mistake. It, it's Lampard, Frank Lampard. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> Lampard. My bad. But um, but yeah, I think I still believe that Chelsea is going to play that four-two-three-one because I don't think Tammy Abraham had a had a good season at Chelsea coming in uh, after a lone spell away at Aston Villa where they actually got promoted in the final. So I think he had a good sh- I think he had a good season. He's going to have to prove himself to to Lampard this summer, but I don't think that Chelsea would would take put in take in Warner with a young Tim Abraham rising to the to the spot and expect Abraham not to be in their future plans. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. However, if Chelsea do decide to bring in a player like Havertz, I think that could really threaten Pulisic and, and his development and his starting spot on the squad. Well, for sure, 100% I agree with that. And well, let me propose a situation. If Pulisic doesn't start next year on Chelsea, or not necessarily start from the beginning, but he's gaining consistent game time. I mean, do you guys see a move away for him or, again, continuing to fight? I mean, personally, I feel the only way he doesn't get consistent game time is if his performances don't show it. And it, yeah. at a team like Chelsea, if you're perf- for a season, if your performances aren't up to what they need and you haven't had a great season in the past, which at this point Pulisic hasn't, then you don't yeah. get to stay at Chelsea for much longer. So I definitely feel if, Pulisic starts to struggle, all these new signings could mean that his time at Chelsea is cut short. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's definitely going to be a make-or-break summer for all these young players. But moving on to another interesting transfer rumor that has occurred this, this, last, this last week, uh, Demele reportedly rejected a loan offer or a loan move to Liverpool. What do you guys think about this? Well, I think for Usain Dembele, it does show a little fight, um, you know, fight, fighting spirit. He wants to continue um, at Barcelona. He wants to gain a starting spot. He's done stuff off the field that has really prohibited him from becoming a normal starter. But I think it's, it's, a, it's a good move in a sense. Going to Liverpool, I'm not sure he would also get consistent game time, um, even though he wasn't already at Barcelona. But he wouldn't be gaining any playing time, I think. So I think it's an interesting situation for him. And I think he really needs to consider a move away from Barcelona because I'm not sure the the board and the club really have a lot of faith in him after sort of um, recent actions he's done on and off the, on, on off the pitch. 
And when he's on the pitch healthy, we all know he's a great player, but I'm just not sure if he can stay on the pitch and continue to play Barcelona. He might have to look for a loan, loan move away. I do agree that he should look for a loan move, maybe even a permanent transfer away, but I also disagree that Liverpool would be a good option because I feel Klopp is a manager who really stresses work rate and work rate is, has kind of been Dembele's downfall at Barca. So I, de- I feel that if, he, if his work rate isn't up, then there's no way he'd be able to succeed. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think a loan move... I think he was correct in rejecting an offer from, from Liverpool because he wouldn't be getting that much game time with uh, Mane, uh, Salah sitting in front of him on that right wing. Uh, this being said, I do think that a loan move is is something that he should be considering, maybe not to Liverpool, but another, another team. Uh, but if Barca don't have the funds to to get another player this summer, then I think they should try and hold on to him because he could be uh, a good player. But another another interesting transfer rumor that has occurred this, this past week was also Awar, the center mid, the 20, 21-year-old Lyon midfielder who Lyon reportedly wants to sell for $50 million this summer. They, they're really keen on selling him. And he's wanted by a lot of clubs like Juventus, but notably Chelsea and Man City. What are you guys thinking about this? I think that I think it would be difficult for him to go to Chelsea because of all the money they've spent recently. I just don't know if they'd have the funds, especially if they brought Chilwell. And on top of that, I feel their midfield is already very solid with Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho, and Mount, among others. And on top of that, Billy Gilmore, who's another promising youngster coming through the ranks. So I think if he was to go, I don't think Chelsea would be the best option. And it's whereas Man City, on the other hand, I think would be perfect for him. I feel with David Silva leaving, there's space, there's space open for a new midfielder to come in and get minutes. And I also feel under Pep, anyone can develop. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely agree with what Spencer's saying. I, I think Chelsea are going to have a huge competition of young players next year, especially in the midfield, uh, battling for the spot. I'm not sure for a young center mid, um, like Aurora, it's a good move to go to Chelsea. Uh, I think going for, for a move to Manchester City, I think it's always really beneficial um, for any player to develop under Pep Guardiola, one of the best coaches in the world, if not the best. And I think he'll have to definitely battle for his spot. I'm not sure he'll gain it soon, but the departure of David Silva at the end of the season, I think he'll maybe have a chance to, to gain a spot if you can really prove it on the field. So. so I definitely agree with both of you guys. He would he would be he would have a good fit at Man City alongside Kevin De Bruyne and Roger behind him. So, but if, for example, Chelsea was to bring in a player like Awar, I think that players like Jorginho, maybe Ross Barkley, of course, would be heading out out of out of the door. For sure, I definitely agree with you, Matteo. But moving on to more overall news, soccer news around the world. This is a little bit more off the pitch, but also very important is uh, Jane Sancho and Akanji were both fined by Dortmund and by the Bundesliga for getting haircuts during the quarantine. Even though the hairdressers arrived at their home, uh, they saw it was um, not in, in line with the rules and 
uh, they were firing me. Do you guys think this is too harsh or, you know, it makes sense? Uh, I mean, my personal opinion is it does make sense if, if, if that are the rules that you can't be in contact with other people outside of your team and your family. It, 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 I understand if dormant are mad that a haircut, a uh, hairdresser came to one, one of the, and, you know, I think that is against the rules. I, I do have to agree with the fine. I also feel the fine is necessary, even if it's not the biggest transgression, it's still kind of a matter of principle that they need to kind of show that corona isn't a joke at all and that it's still very prevalent and people need to be careful. So I definitely feel giving the fine was the 100% correct decision. Yeah, I think it was it was a correct decision by Dorman. It's a little bit stingy, of course, because but the problem is that they weren't wearing masks. Of course, they're both young players, especially Sancho, who's just 20 years of age. But, I mean, how stupid can you be to post it on social media and not expect to get a, a fire back? So I think it's idiotic on their part. They'll get the fine. They'll pay it off in, like, one day, in a couple hours. And... They'll just move on with their life, and they'll be more more careful. All this for a haircut. I mean, maybe Sancho is going to – maybe the haircut got Sancho back in form. Who knows? <laughs> but another interesting news topic that occurred this this past week was that English football TV schedule for the next months was, was kind of basically announced. And football is going to be seen and played every single day. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Well, from from my fan perspective, I love this because, you know, I think La Liga is proposing to do the same thing. And if I have uh, Premier League games and La Liga games every day, you know, as a, again, as a fan, I would love that. I get to watch, uh, watch games every day, kind of like the NBA, NBA type of a schedule. And I think that's very exciting. For the players, I can understand if they're a little upset, but – you know, I think that's just part of being a pro and part of being a player these days. Is you have to be willing to play a lot, work a lot, train a lot. And I don't think that this can really um, impact them uh, so much in a negative way. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching watching soccer every day. I mean, that's, that's kind of it's, it's like a perfect scenario. I, I completely agree yeah, sure. that from the fans' perspective, it's unbelievable. As we've all grown to realize, having no sports is difficult especially with everyone having very little to do. So I also feel it's genius to capitalize mm-hmm. on this kind of barren time by throwing as much possible soccer in the public's face as you can, mm-hmm. because it'll only help to grow the sport, get people who might not have been interested in the past interested in the game and also get people something to do for a solid month and a half. I definitely agree, and I think that there's a probability that, of course, La Liga is going to follow suit, and there's also a probability that Serie A is going to follow the same way. So, I mean, three leagues playing every single day is going to be a treat for every football fan. I don't think this should be a problem, though, uh, for English teams, maybe for the weaker teams, but, of course, they're going to follow the the five sub rules. So, I honestly don't think it should be a problem. They should be fit. That's their job. They're getting paid millions to do it. It might be a little problem for the teams that are still in the FA Cup because, of course, you're going to have to be playing those those games between the Premier League games. But, honestly, it's better better for the money and everything. So, it's better just get to get back up and started. For sure. And I want to touch on what Matias just said. You know, teams that are still 
in the FA Cup, along with the Premier League. It's going to be it's going to be uh, a hard end, end to the season, and especially for as Matias said, the the bottom teams. You know, they don't have the same depth depth of um, you know the top six, Liverpool, Chelsea, etc. And I think that for the bottom teams, it's still going to you know it's it's going to be hard for them to really continue to play game after game, but. I think, as I said, you know, as part of being a pro, as part of being a pro soccer player, is that you have to be willing to put in work, and especially through these, you know, crazy circumstances, having to put in extra work. I think that just comes to the job. Yeah, I definitely agree. They they should be ready. They should be ready to play. And moving on, uh, another thing that the Premier League is considering changing is they're trying to put the Danish idea of a virtual stand into their stadiums, which if you haven't seen it, Danish team have installed a huge screen running across one stand, which displayed images of about 10,000 supporters connected to their behind closed doors match. And I was just wondering what you guys thought of it, if fans could be trusted not to put anything obscene on screen or like how it would work in general? For sure. I mean, I view this in a few different ways. From a player perspective, I view it as something amazing. You know, during the circumstances, not being able to have fans is a real bummer for the players. And I think if they can play and yet yet having um, fans and, and people virtually in the stadium, but it, I think it just creates a better atmosphere and a better, better game for the players. But I think what you touched on, Spencer, is really important because – you know, not, maybe not so much in the Premier Leagues, but we see it in other leagues where fans can become a little bit too invested. And, you know, um, I think, you know, it's a bond between the fans and the club for them not to do anything that's out of line, out of uh, out of the rules. But I think for for the league and for the players, it's going to be something that's really interesting. I, I really hope that they can consider it and do it because, you know, if you watch the Bundesliga, they had fan noises. And I definitely like that. And you see Bruce Emotion glide back with fans of cardboard. And I, I think that's interesting. But virtual fans um, on the screen, I think, will just add something, a different level of excitement to the game. Yeah, I have to agree with both of you somewhat. I think that you really, really have to trust the fans. And when it's 10,000 people behind the screens, I don't know if you can trust every single one of them. And another question is, like, would they have their mics on at all times? Because what, what if the team, what if their team scores? Would they, be able, would they be able to celebrate? And if they have those mics on, like, I don't know. It's it, In my opinion, for the players, that would be kind of creepy because they're going to have these big displayed electronic boards all around the stadium with just heads looking at them. Mm. I mean, if the mics are not on, it's just people looking at them, which is kind of weird. I, I like the idea of the Munchenbull Gladback cardboard fans and on top of that, maybe having the fan noises. But I think that this idea is kind of like too a little bit too much and it would cost a lot to to finance and it's just a little bit creepy in my opinion. For sure. And, you know, moving on to something... Um, that is again off the field, but still very important. Um, the LA Galaxy recently released Alexander Katai after um, his wife was on social media uh, posting race, racist and you know just comments that we don't want to see in the world, especially you know in the football world and especially just around the world. And you know I think this is truly unfortunate um, for 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 the player Alexander because um, you know it's not 
it's not the, his decision. But you know, what do you guys what do you guys think about this? Was it was it harsh? Was it fair? You know, my personal opinion is that it is a little harsh saying that it's, it wasn't Alexander that did it; it was his wife. But I definitely understand where the guys are coming from. You know, this isn't something that we don't want to see at all within the sport. And you know, what do you guys take on this? I feel that it was definitely a necessary thing. I feel that, or I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with all that, but I definitely feel that if Alexander wanted to stand by his wife, uh, he had to be cut. So, yeah, if if that's what he did, then I definitely feel that was the only decision that the galaxy could have made. I think that it's something that we just can't have in this world of today to have these comments being put out, especially with people that have somewhat of a platform. It's just disgusting to see. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's sad that someone actions that someone can't control are making them kind of ruin their, their career, what they've, they've worked so hard for. I don't think Alexander's career is over by any means, because if you're a player of LA galaxy, uh, you are of the caliber of playing professional football still, but again, it's it's very unfortunate, and I you have to blame the, the wife, and it's something you just don't want to see. Moving on, you know, this is just a quick shout out to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who became uh, the first ever soccer billionaire and the third uh, athlete ever to become billionaire in the sport while still playing, and I just. You know, while this doesn't really relate, of course, to on the field um, actions per se, I just think this is a very, you know, this is this is a really this really speaks to his career, what he's done throughout his career, both on and off the field. You know, with endorsements and and his you know physical talent. And I think it's just it's really amazing to to be watching and living during generation with players like Ronaldo and Messi, who are truly are a step above all. And I just think this speaks again to his whole career and how amazing it's been. So moving on to another news, uh, a weekly edition of these top five starting, um, top five leagues starting eleven that we do for the entire league for the season. This um, this week is League One, and you know to start off, I'm gonna get started with goalkeeper. My personal choice is a goalkeeper from Rams, uh, Pred Rag Rajokovic. Sorry for my pronunciation, solid name, and. Um, he's been really impressive in his debut season in France so far, uh, serving international. Um, he has the best save percentage, 80%, the most clean sheets, and the most penalty saves, which I think is very, um, you know, it's an outstanding record. And I think sometimes we don't see the players on the smaller teams, but I think he's truly, he's truly had a great season and deserves to be in that lineup. I definitely agree. Predrag Rajkovic playing for Sedanos is who actually finished fifth. So for a team that's worth 70 million, 70 million that finished fifth, who are going to contend for, to play in the Europa League next year, they had the best defense in the league. He only conceded 18 goals with 12 clean sheets. As Nico said, it's an easy decision. Uh, I think this guy is a, is a top, top class goalkeeper and he's just deserves to be on the list. I have to say that I completely agree. He's had an unbelievable debut season in France, and I think he's definitely put himself in a position where he could move on to uh, another team, to a bigger club in the future. 
Um, moving on, though, for right back, I had Kenny Lala mm. from Strasbourg. He had another good season building on where he started off last season, and he's really shown his ability to go up and down the football field, both defending and attacking. For sure, and I, I also agree with you, Spencer, on that. I think Lala has had a great season, and, you know, we, we watch every week the way he can go up and down the field. I think it's very important to that team and very important to the way he plays. Yeah, I have to. Although Lala had a very good season, but I have to disagree with you. I I picked Hamari Traoré from Rennes, the 20-year-old right back from Rennes, who was an essential part of that defense and played a huge role in in putting them in the position that they are in, and was a very very good defender this year. But moving on to the next to the next uh, position, left back, I personally chose Faitu Mausa Mawasa, the 21-year-old player from Rennes again who had an unbelievable season, convinced the coach at such a young age to be the starting player, to be the starting left back on a team that's going to be playing Champions League football next season. So it's he's had an incredible season putting in, doing his part offensively and defensively. That sure, was I also have to agree with you on this one, Matteo. I, I definitely thought he's had a great season along with the team. And I, I do see him becoming a, a really great player. And as you've seen, a very important player for that Rams team. I also had to completely agree. Kind of like Alala, he's shown his ability to go up and down the field, both attacking and defending. And I definitely feel he has potential to move on to a bigger club. Uh, moving on to center back, I had... A very simple duo of just Marquinhos and Thiago Silva for PSG. While, while they are playing on the best team in the league, they've also shown it by both having great seasons and leading PSG to yet another dominant showing and winning league on. For sure. I mean, I think, I think those, are, um, those choices are always good. And they're, those are great players, as we always know. But personally, I did stick with Reims. Um for, for another player with Eunice, uh, again, sorry for the pronunciation, but Eunice Abdelhamid, who, uh, as Matia touched on, could be in line for, you know, Europa League football next season. And he's just, you know, he isn't a flashy name, Matiago Silva Marquinhos, but he's a guy that does the work, and I thought he's had an amazing season. Had that winner as well against Montpellier uh, for a 1-0 win. I think that he's just, you know, he's been an outstanding player for that team. And for my other center back, I personally went with Raul Bakar Kamara from Marseille, who does, um, you know, we've seen throughout the season play a little bit in the defensive midfielder role and the center back role. But I think, you know, that versatility is always really, um, really uh, beneficial for the team. And he has had to share some time, but I just think he's had, um, you know, a great season being both a central defender and a defensive midfielder, I think that versatility has been really important for him. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that Spencer had two very good choices that held up very well for PSG, but I also picked Yunis Abdelhamid playing for Sadras, mm. who was basically the leader of that defense, which was the best defense in the league, as I said before. The second centre-back choice was pretty tough, and it was two players from Marseille. You have to put in a player from Marseille because they finished second in the league this year. But I had to go with Alvaro Gonzalez, Spanish man, 20-year-old, loaned in from Villarreal this season, not very high expectations, but was a very, very good player. Uh, probably one of, the, one of, if not the best center back in the league this year, but a very 
very close second was for this for my choice was Bubakar Kamara Kamara of course from Marseille. Uh, but this being said, 21 years old, he has a bright future ahead of him. Moving on to the next position was center mids. So just to be clear, we're doing a, a 4-4-2 formation. So we're going to have two center mids. In my opinion, my two center mids were Eduardo Camavinga, 17-year-old with good technique, placement, and ability. He can honestly just do it all. He was a great player this season. And my second center mid, although he battled with injuries, Marco Verratti was as an essential part of that center mid in PSG. He was able to move a little bit forward this season, play a little bit more attacking but we saw that for for Tuchel and PSG, Marco Verratti is an, is an essential player, and he's was this one of the one of the best center mids in the world this year. For sure, I mean, I definitely agree with those picks, and I definitely am going to agree with Eduardo Camavinga from Rennes. You know, being 17 years old, it's a, it's a big ask for him to be able to be a, a starting defensive man on, on on a good team. And you know, throughout the season, he averaged 4.2 tackles per game. Um, and it's a, he's second place to Ricardo Pereira in Europe's top five leagues um, in that statistic. And I think that's just, you know, that's just insane. It speaks on why he's linked with him. Uh, he has an incredible talent, and I definitely would put him in my team. Uh, along with Eduardo Camavinga, I put uh, another another more defensive mid, but uh, Renato Sanchez from Lille. Uh, you know, we saw him leaving um, Bayern Munich and going on loan spells to to a different team, but I think he's finally had a place where he can, um, you know, carry out just the talent that he has, and he's had an incredible season. He's a really good box-to-box midfielder, and I think he's been a very important uh, part of that team throughout the season. I agree with a couple of those. I definitely feel that Camavinga deserved his spot at just 17. He was unbelievable, and showing – and really proved himself as another one of these next generational players. But next to him, I had to put Hasum Awar. We've mentioned uh, how he's mm-hmm. linked with all the a lot of big teams, and with his performances this season, he's shown exactly why. Moving on, though, at left wing, I feel that there were a couple choices here, but I had to put Neymar. He is without a doubt, the best player in the league. And while he's not always consistent, he definitely showed why he was worth the $180 million that PSG spent on him. Yeah, I have to agree with, with Spencer on this one. Neymar was definitely the best left left midfielder or left winger in the League One. No question. Sure. I, mean, you know, I think it's when doing a League One XI, I think PSG really have, of course, with Mbappe, Nicardi, Neymar, Cavani, they have definitely some of the best attackers in the league, and I would definitely have to agree that Neymar is the best um, left wing and, you know, best player in, in the in the League One. Can be debated with Mbappe, but I think when Neymar shows his full talent, he really is one of the better players in the world. But moving on to right wing, uh, I think, once again, it's a bit of a no-name, uh, no, you know, not, not even a question for this one. I had to choose Kylian Mbappe, who, you know, as we know, is just an incredible young talent. And, you know, his future is so bright for him. It's going to be crazy to see what he does later on. I completely agree. Mbappe right now is probably the most valuable player in the world, and he just added to it this summer. And it seems like it's only a matter of time before he moves to one of the biggest teams in the world. So personally, I had to put Di Maria on that right wing. I think that he 
He was the best right wing in the league this year. He had an outstanding season and providing seven goals and 14 assists. He was just an incredibly good player and he deserves to be on that team uh, because obviously Mbappe isn't worse than Di Maria. Di Maria isn't better than Mbappe, but I, I put Mbappe on, on the, on okay, the striker so position. Okay, so moving on to strikers, uh, I had to put Memphis Depay. Ever since he's moved from Man United, he's struggled, or he's been searching to regain his form. And although he's struggled a bit with injuries, uh, he when he was healthy, he completely showed why he was once touted as a future star. And next to him, I had to put Victor Osimhen. He kind of came out of nowhere to show his worth, and he definitely showed why he's touted as one of the best young players in the league. So for my two strikers, I had to put uh, Kylian Mbappe, of course. I think that Mbappe played a bigger role at striker this year uh, than anybody else, and he was the top scorer joint with my other choice, Ben Yadair, coming in from Monaco. They both had an incredibly good season, joint top scorers. And no questions asked, I think. For sure. They I, mean, were the I best. agree with both you. I'm going to take two players um, with Wissam Ben Yedder, who at AS Monaco has had an incredible season. Um, you know, I, when he was playing um, back in the La Liga, you know, I knew he was a great talent. He was, he was he's just a wonderful talent. I think he has, you know, just a great future ahead of him. Um, he's scoring around 18 goals a season. It's just it's been incredible on that team. And I also took you with Spencer and taking Memphis Depay, who I think has been a true leader for Lyon and, um, you know, just a leader and a great, great striker. And I could definitely see him going back to a big team like Marinetti where he was before. And he just had, he's had an incredible season there. Yeah. So that, that about wraps up everything that we have to talk about today. Uh, Obviously, we covered the League One XI. It was very interesting to see all of our different opinions. A lot happened in the last week, so I'm glad we got to cover everything up. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the, the podcast listening. Thank you for all the listeners coming back every week. It's really it's really nice for you guys to, to come back and listen to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we'll catch you in another one midweek with another player interview, so watch for that one coming out soon. Mm-hmm.